Uh, good afternoon. Uh, thank you for tuning in. This is episode two of Rugby League Quizzes podcast. Uh, my name's Dan and I'm uh, joined again by Josh. How are we, mate? I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, good, thanks. Not bad at all, mate. Yeah, not bad. Um, so, yeah, we'll pretty much get straight into it, to be honest. We've got quite a, a busy show coming up, so later on you'll hear from our guests, which were Mike Costello, Danny Richardson and Liam Watts, which were, were all, well, all three great interviews, weren't they, mate? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant interviews. I think sort of what we touched on uh, as well, personally, Josh, was that you know we we sort of covered all bases this week. So we got Mike Costello, you know, he was the, the sort of young guy coming through at St. Helens, uh, played in the World Cup Challenge this year as a, a twenty-one year old, I think he is. Uh, Danny Richardson, who sort of you know recently moved clubs to to sort of further his career a little bit. You know, fantastic player, all the potential in the world, and um, really pushing for the English spot this year. And then obviously we've got Liam Watts, who's you know, an international, you know, right at the top of his game up with, you know, the, the best front rowers in the world at the minute. So, um, yeah, no, three really interesting interviews, weren't they? Yeah, very interesting. It was done. <clears throat> so stay tuned and you'll you'll hear them later on. Uh, before that, obviously, myself and Josh will go through just some sort of headlines in the game. You know, Nathan Cleary, Adokar and Latrell Mitchell have sort of let the game down a bit over in the NRL and we'll discuss that a little bit um, as well as obviously the, the new dates that have been confirmed with the NRL in terms of the grand final, state of origin, that sort of thing. Um, and then me and, me and Josh did a little thing this week where we, we, we sort of wanted to do a 1-13 to 13, but with a couple of little twists. Um, so we'll, we'll talk you through that in a bit and, and getting your opinions on them would be great. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll go straight into it. In fact, just before we do that, um, we've got... Um, some really good guests coming up so I just thought I'd give you a bit of a heads up as to who they were so over the next sort of three to four weeks we'll be doing a Toronto Wolfpack special uh, we'll have Sandy Shipley on I'm sure many of you know where she did the uh, Challenger Cup draw representing Toronto recently uh, we'll have the Wolfpack Pack on who were a f- group of fans over in Canada who generally wore wolf suits um, to the games and drink Loads of the beer, which is obviously interesting to see how the uh, the beer festival goes at the games over there. Um, hoping to get Kurt Agassi on, who's obviously part of the coaching staff, and and hopefully a couple of players there as well. So you know that that should be really good. And I know Josh, you're looking forward to that one, aren't you, mate? I am, mate. It's going to be very interesting that podcast, should we say at least? Yeah, newest club in in rugby league, essentially newest professional club, anyway. And obviously yeah. they're making some good strides, aren't they? So uh, we'll, we'll see what what they're up to. Um, we're also going to have. A number of other players. So we've got David Fafita uh, from Wakefield. He's coming on. Uh, Michael Lawrence, uh, Huddersfield captain, he'll be joining us. Um, Chris Foreman's going to be joining us. But one that I know, Josh, again, you're looking forward to is, is Adrian Valls, who's joining us in a few weeks. That'll be good, won't it, mate? Yeah, yes, I am, mate. It's going to be massive. Queensland representative and NRO representative, as well as a very good player in Castleford Tigers. Yeah, he won the Man of Steel, I think, didn't he, mate? Yeah, as well, yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, Josh, just get straight into it then, mate. So what yeah. what do you think of uh, Cleary, Adokar and Mitchell? Personally, myself, Dan, I think they've let the NRL down. The NRL worked hard to get to this date and the, the behaviour off them three players has been sh- shocking at, at the least. Um, for me, they've, they've been fine, but the fine's been suspended. They've had match bans, but the match bans have been suspended. But that isn't a punishment in my eyes. The punishment should be, for me, they should be banned for the year. They shouldn't be allowed to step foot on a rugby pitch again this year. They should be made to pay the fines in full now because they've not only brought brought the NRL rules, they've brought the Australian government 
social distant rules as well, and that could throw spanners into the works about the NRL returning on the set day. Definitely, mate. Do you think the the sorry the government could potentially look at, at stepping in with the punishments that have been handed out then and, and look to increase them? Do you think, Josh? Yeah, they could, but it's in what way? How 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 far do you go with it? Yes, they brought social distance, the rule, and they brought the NRL rules and not self isolating. But how how far did the government go on to find them an extra fifty grand? Or I I don't know, Dan. To look at it in a, a rugby perspective, I think they should be banned for the year. They should be made to pay the fines. The, the Nathan Cleary one in my eyes is a lot worse than the Mitchell and Avocard because he he's come out and said he didn't know the the pictures they took pictures or didn't he didn't know they was filming. But I, he's, so he's he's like not only has he brought the laws, he's also lied yeah. to the NRL. Yeah, like you said there's a there's a there's an attempt to cover up what's really gone on and um you've got a question, you know, not just Nathan Cleary but the fact that um, his dad's obviously the, the Penrith Panthers coach, Ivan Cleary. Um, you've got to question a bit of judgment there from people who are advising him on how to deal with the the sort of backlash from it. You know, his his player manager, certainly his dad, the club. Um, he certainly downplayed a lot of what has happened there, which is is, is disappointing, and it, it sort of makes you question the integrity of of not just the player, but it, essentially the sport a little bit, especially in the NRL. Um, the government have been really generous to allow them to to come back at the date and 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 have worked with the NRL tirelessly to make sure that they can get the game back and and we've got you know one well three essentially but particularly one like you mentioned there with Cleary players that are, are sort of allowing people to question the integrity of of, of the players and, and and the game in general which is is disappointing like you said there mate and also just to touch up Dan there. It... The, the thing as well is, it's Mitchell Adekar and Clare, possibly the the three biggest names in the NRL. They've played yeah. at New South Wales, the international level. What's interesting to see is, if that was anyone, any other player, would they, would they have had a harder punishment? Yeah. But because it's the three players named, they don't want to give them a hard punishment because they want them three Name players to play the sport. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. You know, if if that's a you know a twenty year old who's played five first grade games or whatever, um, I, I can't see them, you know, playing again. To be honest with you, Josh, no. I really can't. I can't myself, mate. I just and it's, it's vice versa. If that happened over here to a Saints player, Wigan player, Warrington, I'd, I'd want the same to happen. Yeah, you would. It, it, this isn't. A joke. This is. It's not a holiday, and some people are treating it as a holiday. It, it's it's a pandemic. It is. Mate, You've yeah. got to stay in to save lives. Yeah. That's all. It's not hard to do it, and these idols can't do it. Clearly, can't do it. You're spot on, mate. You're spot on. Um, one thing that has come out of the NRL this week as well is the so the, the new dates that have been confirmed. So we've got the 25th of October for the grand final. And then there's going to be the State of Origin series following that. So, you know, we're looking at that running through till mid-November, which has, has certainly raised question marks of the Origin series, which was you know, supposed to run essentially in line with that, which obviously now can't go ahead, especially at them dates. What, what do you think of that, Josh? Is is that disappointing? The, the State of Origin, are, it's got to go ahead in Australia, hasn't it? it it's a big fixture, but I don't think the Aussie series will happen now. Personally, with with 
the way the NRL season is going to plan out and then the state's origin after. So I think as a English fan and obviously support England and they've just got a new coach in Sean Wayne, I think England now should be looking at alternatives and getting different countries to fulfil them pictures. England shouldn't just push this picture under the carpet now because the Aussies have basically said, look, the state origin comes first, we'll play that. which leaves us with very minimum time with the Ashes. So I think we should organise a friendly with other countries, but let's take it a bit serious because obviously the Aussies want to play the state origin, but we want to play the Aussies, so we can't. We've just got to wait and see how it plans out. And hopefully we can still, the Ashes series will still go ahead because I don't think we're too far away from the Aussies. And it'd be interesting to see a Sean Wayne and England go up against the Aussies. Yeah, um, I think just just one other thing that I'm thinking that, I mean, if for any reason we can't, um, well, like you said, there is looking unlikely we can do the, the Ashes. If for any reason we can't do sort of a, a France, an Ireland, Scotland series, like, you, you know, like you've mentioned previously, we've got another couple of options, one of them being an Exiles team. Now, obviously that wasn't, majorly successful back in, I think it was 2010, 2011, when we did that last. It weren't hugely successful, but it was certainly a test for the players, wasn't it? Um, and we've got some great sort of exile players in the Super League at the minute. You look at, you know, Kevin Nagama, James Maloney, there's some, you know, some really good talent that's, that's not English playing in the Super League. But further to that, could we not essentially match the origin and just have a Lancashire-Yorkshire two-test series, do you think? That'd be great to see back then, because I don't. For one, we don't we don't do enough of that over here. Lancashire versus Yorkshire. I can't remember when the last game was played between both. I think it was all three or something like that. Is that when it was, it was all three? Yeah. We don't play enough international over here, as well. Where the Aussies have the international friendly mid season, then you've got the state origin. I think introducing a Yorkshire versus Lancashire, it, it'll bring a bit of more passion to the game, a bit more excitement to the game as well because in my eyes Super League's gone forward in the last couple of years we've had Cass, Warrington and Salford making the grand final alright they haven't unfortunately they haven't won it but it's it's definitely moving forward because you've seen new names in the grand final you've seen new names in the top five new names winning the league leader shield Challenge Cup finals so Super League definitely has gone forward and just to take it that extra bit more forward I think bringing the Yorkshire versus Lancashire back could be huge. Yeah, definitely. And and obviously, if we did do it, you know, at the end of the year, um, all the NRL players are free from the 25th of October and we're essentially expecting to play you know, representative rugby anyway. So, you know, you like to John Bateman's, you know, James Graham, Whitehead, Hodgson, you know, people like that are essentially available and, and expecting to play representative rugby anyway. So, could you imagine a you know a Lancashire team with you like to James Graham in against a, a Yorkshire team with Whitehead and, and and that's you know those sort of plays that could be you know it, it could essentially kickstart our own Origin series I think couldn't it and um, you know there's some really good players that are on the fringe of England and, and obviously one of our guests today Danny Richardson as, as obviously we mentioned he's really pushing for that England spot if they can't play England this year there's a World Cup next year. How good would it be to see a Danny Richardson in a Lancashire team, a Jay Truman in a Yorkshire team, and, and sort of see how they fit in that representative environment? It, it'd be interesting, then, because as as you know, I think the, the partnership Truman and Richardson have got at Cass, yes, it's the first season this year, not to put pressure on Danny and 
team. And, but I think that could lead us into a World Cup. Yeah, definitely. Because if you, if you look at the, the Great Britain series just gone, I think that was just... It, it was a right time. It was, yeah. You had Blake, Blake Austin playing wing. You, you had Liam Watts was over in Australia, but yet they flew Joe Fielding and and he, it, it was just a write-off completely and I think with them two playing at club level it could be massive if they click at club level like, like they have been doing they could lead England to a World Cup and they're young but with quality around them and like see Johnny Lomax at the side with, with your experience that it could be successful 100%, and 100% yeah no, we're, we're starting to get that you know for years and years we've, we've had you know the weak back line the you know the the non-dominant halves and stuff like that. Whereas, I think we are, we're certainly making inroads. I think you know Percival killed that. You know, Percival's not had a, a great international career to date. He's had sort of his struggles with getting selected, but um, Gildart looks great. You know, Connor at times has been phenomenal, and then now we're getting the halves coming through. You know, young Harry Smith at Wigan, for instance, who's I think twenty-one, and and he's sort of starting to look good at, in the Wigan first team. Richards and Truman are for me the the ones to look at, though, like you've mentioned as well, Josh. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there is certainly a room at the end of the season, regardless of whether it's Australia or not, um, that England or Lancashire and Yorkshire do have a representative series just to to get these players ready for next year, isn't there? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I totally agree with everything you've said there. I think you've touched up on. Yeah. Now, obviously, Josh, what I want to go on to now is just a bit of fun, really. So, um, yeah. me and you, obviously. This week, I've, I've had you know a number of conversations about a one to thirteen, and and how we can sort of put twists on them, and you know you come up with one which we'll do next week, which obviously we'll introduce then. Um, but there was this one which was basically a one to thirteen in the Super League era of players that have been in the Super League for at least a year, but haven't won a you know a Super League title. Um, so just put a bit more context into that. For instance, last season. Um, Danny Richardson and Mike Costello were both in the Saints squad that went on to to win the Super League, so therefore they can't be selected. Andrew Johns, who had the you know the three or four games at Warrington, can't be selected. He's not done the full season, but just to try and get a one to thirteen, really, just to see you know how unlucky some players have been. Now, Josh, do you want to uh, go for yours first, mate? Yeah, yeah. O- hopefully, we've got this right. We have done a bit of research. <laughs> one of us will, hopefully. And... <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah. Before that was Ben Barber for. For what he done at the season, he's at Saint, not the season of that, I should have said. For what he done at Saints was the general skill he had as a player was possibly the best skillful player I've ever seen in Super League. So he gets the full-back position. And then the first wing is Joe Monaghan, a monster of a player. Always lifted his head up in big games, stepped up. He gets the wing. And the first centre was Bryson Goodwin. I think he was fantastic at Warrington his style at Warrington was brilliant my second centre is uh, Matt Gidler possibly the best centre to play in Super League if not the best um, the other winger he's, he's currently still playing and he's been massive at international level as we've discussed earlier Jermaine McGilver I think very underrated and a natural talent and the half back uh, number six I've gone with it, it's an all-brainer for me and it's Lee Briers possibly the best number six to play in Super League. Just the, the calmness and the, the way he controlled the game was brilliant. And number seven, currently coaching in Super League, and he's he's obviously Adrian Lamb. I think when he was at Wigan, I think 
time had at Wigan was brilliant. Unfortunately, he never won the grand final. My first prop forwards, Liam Watts, possibly one of the best in the world, if not the best in Super League as well. Mioka, um, unfortunately, what a career he had, international level, club level, Terry Newton, a tough, a very tough competitor. My second forward is Dean Sampson, brilliant prop forward, tough. His first second row is Matty Ashurst, always rated Matty Ashurst, very underrated player, natural line runner, obviously never won a grand final. My second second row is Ben Westwood, a very, very tough fella, gave it everything and left everything on the field. Had some bizarre moments, but he gets in there for me. And my loose forward was Adrian Vos, an absolute monster of a player, man of steel winner. And I think, unfortunately, never to win a grand final. It's a great team, isn't it? it yeah, and like I said, I'm just hopefully, them 13 players have never actually been in the grand final. <laughs> winner, so. I don't think they have, I was going to say, we, we did have a, a good look through, didn't we? The one that sort of yeah, stood out for me, well, two in particular, but Terry Newton, to think that he's never won a. You know, Super League medal is... is he's he's been a lucky Terry Newton there because he, he signed back for Bradford and that was when the year before Bradford won the grand final and then he went back to Bradford. At Wigan, he never won a grand final and at Leeds, he was only at Leeds for yeah. one or two yeah. years. And I just... When he's when you when you asked me to do this and I looked at the Uckers and I thought, Uckers, and obviously you've got your Daryl Clark, your Danny Alton, and I thought, Terry Newton... I went a lot. He was never won a grand final, so yeah. it was an all-brainer. Definitely, mate. And and you know, there's a there's a few players that you know we've, we've done quite similar. Um, so for me, I went you know Barber at fullback. Um, I think I sort of mentioned to you that there's actually quite a few fullbacks. You've got um, Jamie Shaw, uh, Luke Dawn, who I thought were, were you know were, were all great players, and of course Brett Hodgson as well. Um, Warrington and, and Huddersfield when he was over here, I thought he was a good player, but. You can't look past Ben Barber. Um, my two wingers, I've gone with Chris Hicks. Obviously, did a couple of seasons at Warrington and, and was fantastic. Top try scorer for them for a couple of years. And Brett Dallas from Wigan. Um, obviously, the, the early 2000s, he came over from Australia. Um, Queensland State of Origin representative. And just the speed on him, I thought, you know, I can't leave him out. My two centres, I went for Matt Gidley. Similar reasons to yourself, what a player. And Matt King from Warrington. Uh, big frizzy air, but I remember him just being a, like a great player. Uh, really, really, really player. tough. Really, like you said, they're really tough for a centre. You know, did some, you know, some some hard yards, but so skillful as well. So I went with him. Now my halfback, I really wanted to go with Breeze, but I've gone with Kevin Brown. I just think the, um, you know, again similar to Newton. You know, love the fact he was at you know Wigan for so long and whatever. You were so surprised that he hadn't won a great grand final or a Super League, but. I thought he was a, a great player, still is to be fair, but especially around his, his Wigness years, especially were, you know, quite phenomenal. And I think me and you mentioned last week, Josh, the, the Brisbane game, his first game for Warrington. Just, you know, how good was that? I think he scored in his first touch. He, he was just electric in that first half, especially, wasn't he? He ran the show, mate. It was the Kevin Brown show. Everyone was like, where's this Kevin Brown been yeah. at Wigness? And he just, he just kicked on from there. And unfortunately, he never... One trophies at Waddington. That's why he, he moved to Waddington. But, <laughs> famously. But, yeah, yeah, famously. Yeah. Um, scrum half, Stacey Jones. 
what a player. I know he was one of your all-time greats, wasn't he, Josh? He was one of the, the reasons that got he was. the game. Yeah, he was, Dan. I remember watching his last ever game. Yeah, t- tell us a story about that. I remember you mentioning that at Warrington. It, it, it was at Warrington, mate. He was playing for New Zealand. And obviously, Stacey Jones, he retired and come out of retirement. And I went with my granddad. And my granddad, he's involved in rugby. He's, he's been at Saints for 20-plus years. And I went with my granddad. He got tickets and off we went. And he, like I said, he come out of reti- he retired and come out of retirement. And everyone was, when he come out, he said he's retiring after this game. Everyone was like, no, he won't, he won't. And it, he, he took his, his school cap off and his boots and he, he walked to the middle of the Hallowell Jones Stadium and put him down and walked away. And he never played again. I wonder who's so, got them boots down. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine he walked back on after <laughs> everyone went down to collect him. Stick him on eBay for a few quid. Yeah, um, retirement fund. Yeah, definitely. I won't mind paying a few quid for them, to be fair. Um, my props, I went for two players that are both playing now. So, Liam Watts, as you mentioned, uh, for me, he's one of the you know the best front rows in the game at the minute. Um, and I think this year probably will be a year where I, I can't see Cass being far off anyway. Uh, and Chris Hill, obviously spent so many years at Warrens, and it was, you know, Forever seen as the, the nearly men, um, but what a player he's been, and you know people question him now, and in terms of his talent at the minute, and he's a you know he's, he's sort of attitude and stuff like that people question, but for me he's been a great player. Uh, Hooker, I went and Josh Hodgson, obviously Hull KR for four or five years, four or five years before he went to the NRL, um, and what a player he is. So I, you know, I had to select him along with Elliot Whitehead in the in the second row, similar reasons, you know Bradford and Catalan. I thought his two years at Catalan were. You know, we're, we're pretty special to be honest and essentially have earned him an NRL contract um, and he's still ripping things up now so Elliot Whitehead along with Greb Bird in the second row again Catalan player but more for what he did in Australia just the the fact he can play standoff loose forward you know, back row he's a, a quality player uh, and loose forward went Sam Burgess and obviously he didn't have his his greatest years at Bradford shall we say but he was still a great player for, you know, for four years he was you know, the wonder kid, the hit on Fui Fui Moi Moi. Um, but again, just what he did over in, in Australia with, you know, with Salves and, and, and what a player he's turned out to be. One of the one of the greatest players of a generation, isn't he? So, um, yeah, that's my one to 13. Um, what we'll do, myself and Josh, we'll tweet these out um, on the Rugby League Quiz podcast, which is at Quiz Rugby. Um, we'll give you a list of both teams and just see what you think who'd win. And... Um, the other one was each other a beer. What do you reckon, Josh? Yeah, definitely, mate. Hundred percent. We want to know your thoughts on them, and like Stan said, we'll put them out there, and hopefully, we get some replies back. That's it, mate. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, we'll try and do one of these every week, or we'll do something similar every week, whereby we'll we'll come up with a couple of rules and, and sort of test your brain a bit, see if you can, you know, get thinking and, and tweet as your team as well. You know, if you've got one to one to thirteen, there's so many out there. I mean, you know. We've probably missed loads, and and like you said, there's loads that we've had to miss out. So you know, tweet us your teams as well, and and let's see, sort of, you know, you can come up with the best one. Um, and just go on, sorry, Josh. And just before we move on to the next part of the the quiz questions, the answers for the last quiz, uh, I'll read them out now. I'll read the question, then the answers out. Question number one last week was how many points did Saints win the league leaders by in 2019? And the answer to that was 16 points, the most ever since Rugby League started in the UK. Question number two was, who is the current holder of the Daily M Award in Australia? And the answer to that is J. 
James Tedesco. Question number three. Who did Toronto beat in the Championship final in 2019? The answer to that was Feverston. Question four. How many games did London win in the 2019 Super League season? The answer to that was 10. Number five. Who won the State of Origin in 2019? And the answer to that was New South Wales. Question six. Who is ranked higher in the international rankings, Wales or Greece? The answer to that is Greece. And the three guess who's were Ellery Hamlet, Gareth Ock and Gareth O'Brien. Great stuff, mate. And and obviously, you know, I think we've touched on it a couple of times, but the the international one that were with, um, I think it was Wales and Greece. Who'd have thought, you know, Greece are, are ranked above above Wales in the international league? Above Wales, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that was the twist, yeah. the, the trick question. <laughs> um, yeah, jump straight on to uh, this week's quiz then, Josh. Have you you got everything ready, though? Yeah, yeah, I've got everything here, mate, yeah. So basically, this week's quiz will the NRLs in at the Super League and this week's quiz is a bit personal to players as well so question number one when did rugby league start in Australia question number two who won the first state of origin in Australia question three how many countries play in Super League question four most tries scored in the season by a player Question five, most points scored in the season by a player who holds the record for that. Question six, most field goals kicked in a season, like club, not a player, at club. And then, obviously, you've got your guess who's after that. I'll end it over to you, Dan. Yeah, sorry, mate. It's just, uh, <laughs> so, you're, you're um, your first player. So, I've played with... Sorry, I've played for teams in England and Australia. I've coached a Super League side and a Championship side. I've played for Hull FC and I've played alongside Mike Forshaw and Terry Newton. Who am I? So I'll give you them again. I've played for teams in England and Australia. I've coached a Super League side and a Championship side. I've played for Hull FC and I've played with Mike Forshaw and Terry Newton. Your next one. Again, I've played for teams in England and Australia. I've won a Super League Grand Final. I've been coached by Tim Sheens and I've played with Mark Flanagan and Kevin Sinfield. And I've been a Golden Boot nominee. Let's give you them again. I've played for teams in England and Australia. I've won a Super League Grand Final. I've been coached by Tim Sheens and I've played with Mark Flanagan and Kevin Sinfield. And I've also been a Golden Boot nominee. And your last one. Again, I've played for Tim, uh, teams in England and Australia. I've won two World Club Challenges. I've played alongside Phil Clark, Kyle Hammond and Frano Bottica. And I have four Challenge Cup winners medals. Who am I? So there are your, um, your three guess who's, your six general rugby questions. Again, as with last week, um, get a pen and paper, write them down, drop us a tweet, let us know who you've got and we'll do the, uh, the answers next week. Um... But yeah, just, just stay interactive with the podcast. Obviously, we're on Twitter. You can leave comments on um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Anchor. Just drop us a, a review if you would. That'd be great, as long as it's five star. Um, and we'll we'll sort of you know, try and listen to anything you've got, any pointers, anything you'd like adding into the, podca- uh, the podcast, we'll do, do that as well. Um, but what we'll do now, Josh, 
uh, if it's okay with you, mate, we'll yep. go into the interviews uh, and we'll start off with yep. Josh and Matty Costello. It's Josh here and we've got the superstar in the making, Matt Costello from Saints, on with us today. How are you, Matty? Okay? Hi, mate. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Very good. Good, good. We're just going to ask Matt a few questions on how the game will restart and just a bit about himself as well. So, just to, the first one, Matt, how do you think the game will restart and uh, how, how they go about it? Well, everyone's a bit uh, unsure at the minute, aren't they, with everything going on? Uh there's been a lot of talk about behind closed doors games, haven't there? But um, we're not really too sure ourselves at the minute because not a lot of information's being fed down that like the governing body and that know yet, to be honest. So uh, a couple behind closed doors on TV, and then maybe get back to getting some fans in the stadium and stuff. Would would that be a huge difference, that Matt? Without with playing behind closed doors, because Saints on big occasions at totally Ricker Stadium, the, the support is electric. Sometimes, isn't it? does that give you as as a player an extra drive in the game? Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, the the better the atmosphere, the the more in, like into the game you are. You you can't escape because of the noise and the atmosphere and everything. It's it, it adds another gear to your game, really. And uh, from training and stuff, everything steps up another ten or fifteen percent just because of that at- the uh, atmosphere and and the noise levels and how how good it is at especially like you say at big games at home. So it, I think it would be a big difference, yeah. But uh, obviously, then we'd have to work around and we'd still be able to get ourselves up far. I'm sure. I'm just obviously there's been three games a week thrown in there from. I fell it over at Leeds, should we say. <laughs> For me, I'm to- totally against that. It's took Super League so long to scrap the two Easter fixtures. So yeah. three games a week in my eyes is a no-go. How do you look at that as a player? Um, as a as a player, I think it, it will be tough. But if it's what we've got to do to fulfil the season, then I think everyone will probably buy in. Um, like you say, with Easter and stuff, Sometimes it takes five days to recover from a normal game. So, on Easter, th- that game after Easter is always quite a poor one because everyone's real sore. Uh, they've usually had about three days recovery for two games. So, it it does take take it takes its toll on you. But I think they'll they use a, a lot of young lads, like they said, and they've introduced that rule. Um, with Matt lower than fifteen grand, have you, have you seen that one? Yeah, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. in my eyes, how can you pay someone that to play at the top level of rugby league? We, I couldn't imagine a I couldn't imagine a football player playing in the Premier League on that. Yeah, it's it's, it's just the sport we have. I think, and uh, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think it's it's a bit of a joke to ask him to play for less than that. But I know lads and myself when we start off, pretty much everyone's below. Probably that fifteen grand bracket when you're first getting getting up there, but if it means that we've got enough players to play games, then I think it's something that'll have to be done. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And as a kid, Matt, who, who did you support in rugby as a kid? Uh, as a kid, I supported St. Helens. I used to always go. Was it, is that right? Yeah, Nosley and, and sit on the on the wall, the uh, legs dangling over, watching Jamie Ryan yeah. and people like that. 
yeah, a bit like myself, a bit like myself. <laughs> um, when did when did the call come from Saints? When did Saints show interest? Um, I think it was when the first service area started, which was about 12 or 13 years old. So there was one where you go down, there's hundred about 150 of you there. And it's sort of a trial thing. And then I've just, I've been with them ever since, really. Gone service area, scholarship, academy, and, and now first team. And did, was you part of the Tour to Australia, Matt, or did you miss out? Yeah, I was part of the Tour to Australia. I think, I think um, I was the 2015 or 2016 tour. And what what was that like? Because I knew a few lads who went on that myself. I just, what, what, what was the experience like? Yeah, it was quality. I mean, going to Australia when you're 16, you're like, 30 of your teammates who were all your best mates really at the time and still are um, it's an amazing experience you're four weeks away from home some people have never never left the country like that were not at all and never been away from the parents and stuff but just to do that it's an amazing experience yeah um, obviously with the lockdown we've been in lockdown now six weeks and I think it's going to go on a bit longer as a player, Matt, it's obviously a bit different than going into Cowley every day or training and going through the routines. At all, how are you keeping fit and active? Yeah, uh, our, our trainer, Matty Daniels, is sending like thousands of activities. So if we go back unfit, then uh, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> uh, he's he's yeah. got loads and loads of drills sent into us, like bodyweight stuff to replace our gym. Uh, they delivered bands, which can help, like, with our gym stuff again. Um, and I've been going to like just the local field to do my running and I know a lot of the lads have been doing the same but we've all got programmes and stuff to do. So that's been that's been a good part of it. But it's just it it it's it's tough to keep doing it on your own, but at the end of the day it's gotta be done. <laughs> it's gotta be done, yeah. Yeah. And this this is an interesting one this obviously two thousand seventeen Holbrook came to Saints and his first game was Magic Weekend and we beat all 45 mil. Yeah. And everyone was like, wow, what, what, what's this fella got? What what none of us have. What was the effect Holbrook had on you as a player? Because you, you have progressed massively, haven't you, really, over the, the years when Holbrook was here and hopefully he can continue to do that. Yeah, I mean, when, when I first came up, um, I wasn't really ever expecting to play first team. It was just the I've made it here, let's work my, work as hard as I can just to play a game. And then I just did, kind of just gave you like an air of confidence and it'd give you a path and stuff of, of what you needed to do and, and where you're at. And that, me personally, he was always really honest with me whenever I'd ask him uh, what was going on, how he thought I was doing, and he'd just tell me straight. And I, and I really appreciate everything that Justin I think he brought he's brought me on massively, as well as the rest of the culture as well. But uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think he had a real positive positive influence on on the whole group. Really, he was yeah, he was a good fella. He did he did come across as an honest person, Albrook. Like his interviews, it was just like when we got beat in the Champions Cup semi final against Catalan, he just turned around and said, "We got it all wrong." It was just there was no excuses with him. Really, was there? It, it was just. Down to the point, and that was it. Yeah, that was that was another thing. Like when you first come up, I think you need uh, 
a bit of discipline and someone to teach you how, how to be a first-team player because obviously it's miles different from being academy or service area and uh, he'd give you like the right amount of discipline and knowledge and learning and stuff and yeah, he really helped me massively. You've just said there, Matt, it's it's a big difference. What What is the difference? Obviously, you, you, you're more in the frame, you, you're more in the highlight of people's eyes, aren't you, when you've, you've made your first team appearance, but is that the only difference or is there, is there other things? Uh, there's that, but then there's, there's getting used to going into training like all day, every day, when academy, you just turn up at night for a couple of hours. Uh, and maybe you could get away with having sort of an off day at academy, but if you have an off day when you're training first, then you're going to know about it. <laughs> if that's off the coaches or the rest of the lads, so you've got you've yeah. got to sort yeah. of learn to keep yourself in like in your prime and and on it every day, really, which is quite difficult at times. Yeah, I can imagine LMS giving you a bit of a, a shout in that if you haven't done. Too good in training. Oh, definitely. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Obviously, last year, 2018 was, it was absolutely fantastic. We just, we fell short at the final hurdle, really. Last year was just, it was just possibly the best Saints side I have seen. What, minus last year, what would you say the best moment of your career so far is? Um, I mean, last year was amazing. Uh, I've got two that stand in mind personally, which would be playing in that World Club Challenge this year. That was massive. And something as a kid you don't even dream of doing because you feel like it's not even possible. But to, to do that, that despite the result, it was it was a good experience to play in and probably my favourite one. Uh, and my other one was uh, my debut. I really enjoyed that game. Uh I like getting into it and obviously to play for Saints after watching them all the years was was a weird moment but something I'll never forget. Like you just said, then the World Cup Challenge, for me, we, was, we had them on the back foot for at least 60, 70 minutes of the game. It was just the execution at the end of our set but let us down a bit in the end. It wasn't, we played really well in my eyes. That yeah, it, that I think that's why it sticks with me because I don't, ourselves I thought no we, I thought we did play really well and we did deserve to win the game but then again you can say we didn't deserve to because we didn't execute our chances and we had enough of them to win the game quite comfortably but it wasn't to be that day and just a, one more match before we uh, close the podcast who would you say the, the biggest joker at Saints is Oh, there's a few. Uh, from the older fellas, uh, probably is Louis, but he turns it up a notch when the camera comes. Uh, <laughs> I'd say from the young lads, me and Josh Eves like to give it out quite a bit. Uh, yeah. But Tommy Mack as well. Tommy Mack's a joker. He's always best oh, I can imagine Tommy. I think Tommy's got a bit of ADHD. Yeah. He's always got the centre of attention. But... <laughs> yeah, he, he, he loves giving out as well. That's it. Drop, drop him in. <laughs> uh, just that, that's it, Matt. That's the questions we've got. And obviously, I'll hand it over to Dan now. He's got 
some quick fire questions, which should be interesting. Right, let's go. Yeah, Matt, sorry, just before we um, go on to them questions, just something that sort of crept to mind there. Um, obviously, Harry Newman over at Leeds, he's sort of been pushed into the England performance squad or the elite performance squad, I think it is. That obviously, you know, opens up um, a space in the night squad. Is that something that you're, you know, you're really working towards at the end of the year to, to try and get a cap for England? Oh, Knights? definitely. I, I, I'm really trying hard this year to improve my game again. And if... If at the end of the year England Knights call, then that'd be another dream like ticked off the list, and that'd be something I'd I'd love. But at the minute, I'm probably not there, and I need to keep working harder to get there. But if that happens and and I work hard and play a bit better, then I'd be really happy with it. Yeah. But if not, just keep working hard yeah. and, and try again next year. That's it, mate. I'm sure you're in the frame for that as well. And just one other thing to touch on is, is obviously, you know, I mentioned there, um, Harry Newman. One thing that sort of sticks out with you, Matt, is you've played wing, centre, fullback. You've played right edge, left edge. What is your sort of favourite position? Do you have? Um, I'd, I'd, when I first started, I'd say it was fullback. Um, but obviously, with certain different things at Saints, uh, like Wellesby coming up, who's obviously a quality player, I sort of had to adapt my game a bit and. And learn that centre role a bit more to play a few more games. Yeah, uh, and I, I did. I do enjoy playing there. Uh, I like the defensive aspect to centre, but I like attacking at fullback. So if you could combine both, then that'd be perfect. But you can't. <laughs> That's it for me, then, Matt. Obviously, um, you know, myself and Josh just want to obviously wish you the you know, the best luck for the rest of the season when yeah. things do pick up. Um, Keep fit and, and hopefully, like you said, uh, work towards that night squad. And hopefully, we'll uh, very much see you soon. Cheers, no Cheers. thank you, Matt. So, that was uh, Matty Costello speaking to us earlier on. Josh, what a guy, very well spoken for young lad as well, wasn't he? Very good uh, character, should we say, Dan? Very yeah. confident within himself, and very interesting to see his standouts of his career with him winning grand finals. and Playing with Saints, possibly the best team they've ever had last season, but the standout moment was playing in that local challenge, as he said. And he, hopefully, he can go on and improve as a player and cement that centre place. He's in the future for Saints. Definitely, yeah, he's certainly one for the future, isn't he? And um, you know, even at the you know the, the current time, you know, with, with Matt Percival being out injured before the the lockdown or whatever, yeah. Um, he was really getting a good run of games, and he, you know, he, he looked good for the money, didn't he? He was, you know, putting in some really good performances. Um, yeah, he's, he's certainly going to be one that's, you know, he's not going to go away. He's a fantastic player, and uh, I think you know, club like Saint Helens is very lucky to have him. And, and hopefully, you know, like you said, once you know Kevin Nagama or whoever it is who moves on, he can really nail down that spot and and, and you know have a, a good career under him. He certainly deserves it, doesn't he? Um, also, yeah, he does, Dan. And also, an interesting point there is he. He's had to adapt his game as well, which is it shows what type of person he is because he, he's, as he said, his favourite position is fullback. Yeah. And he's playing centre with Saints. And obviously, so he's had to adapt. So he's he's not being selfish in a way, is he? He's, he's, he's loving the moment to be able to play for Saints and he's adapted his game so we can do that. Yeah. 100%. Which shows a, a lot about him as well. Yeah, it does. I mean, like you said, the, the, the certain you know characteristics which you look for in a player, and and one of them is the attitude. And you know, from what we we know, Mike Costello has often is a a player in obviously a person in the world who can question that. Um, so what we'll do now, um, next guest, um, 
you know, what a guy, you know, great player. Um, certainly going on to, you know, some great things in the game. Unfortunately, from you know myself and Josh's point of view, we had to to leave Saints last year. Um, you know, we weren't getting the game time that he certainly deserved in in, in our opinion. So uh, he's gone over to Castleford and he's, he's showing there what you know what a great player he is, isn't he, mate? Yeah, he is. Dan has like touched up there. Sad to see him leave. He yeah. was always the the Danny for England bandwagon <laughs> fans, wasn't he? And I just I feel. The, the the kid showed what he what he was made of when he brought through at Saints and obviously when we played Castleford just before the lockdown he he showed the quality and that that was just I was I was gutted that we got beat but it was also I had a bit of a grin on my face thinking that that, that just proves to yeah. the people who ripped them off at Saints that yeah. the kid can do it give give him the chance give him the game time and he can do it hundred percent mate um so this is our interview earlier on with Danny Richardson. Uh, and we'll come back to you shortly. So our next guest who joins us, um, Castleford Tigers scrum half and England contender Danny Richardson. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. How good? How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so first of all, Dan, just obviously wanted to um, see how you get on with isolation. Are you back home or are you still up in Yorkshire? Yeah, mate. Now, obviously, um, I've come back home. Um, you know, the minute they said, we're not going to be allowed to go training. Uh, obviously, with all the government saying we're on lockdown and stuff, uh, there was there was no chance I was staying in an apartment uh, with no garden or nothing like that for, <laughs> for for however long. So I've come I've come home, but I've I've uh, I've just about two months before this happened, I've, I've rented my house out because I, I still had my house back in Witness. Yeah. So I've, I've I've had to come back home to my mum and dad's because I've got a, there's a family in my house now. So no, it's all good. It's all good. Ah, uh, right. See, I actually remember you buying the house, but I didn't realise that you were renting it out. So you yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've timed it like, well, not well, not the best because, like you say, I could have gone gone there, but I'm back home now in my mum, mum and dad's bathroom. So. <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's not too bad, you know. My dad, my dad's he's been working away, so. Uh, oh, is he? Yeah. So there's a bit more room in the house, kind of thing. Like, so it's not it's not been too bad. Is he back at all, or is he, is he away for a while? Is he done? No, yeah, he, he he comes back on like a, a threat on a weekend. So, nah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, are you going about training and stuff in terms of your your programs? Are they sending you stuff? <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously, Belsey and Cal, the, the conditioners, they've sent us. Um, you know, there was, there's like a three week block. We I've just come to the end of a three week block now that they sent us. Um, and then I'm just this week now is just the start of like a second week, so they're sending us like um, like three week plans, you know, and like gym gym and, and and cardio sessions. So I'm just just doing them and, and making sure I can tick over as best I can. And are they providing the equipment and stuff, or is it all sort of bodyweight training and such? Yeah, no. Well, um, obviously they 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 give all the lads. Um, you know, weights from from in in the gym. Uh, there's nothing left in the gym now. All the lads have got everything, and well, to to as, as much as we can. Um, yeah. You know, because not obviously you've not got enough enough stuff for every lad to have like every piece of you know equipment. Yeah, but yeah. we've 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 got enough to to, to maintain a you know a steady steady weight tra- program. Um, and then obviously just the running is you know just go and find a, a field or a pitch where you can you can see the markings. So. Yeah, of course, yeah. And and just from sort of your opinion more than anything, Dan, when do you think, you know, the game realistically can look at, at coming back and, and how do you think the game will look when it does come back? Um well, obviously I I'd like to say 
from a personal perspective that it'll be back uh, June, June at the earliest, but June, July maybe. Um, yeah. You know, but I, I think it all pretty much depends on sort of what the government say. You know, if the government come out and say, look, we're in lockdown now for the next five months, you know, like we won't, we won't be playing for five months, but if they come out and say, listen, we're lifting the lockdown tomorrow, um, you know, certain businesses can get back training and, and, and sorry, certain businesses can get back working and, you know, rugby league's classed as one that you can sort of play, uh, sorry, train in small groups. And then, you know, they might come up with a thing to say, you know, we're playing behind closed doors and, um, you know, people can just watch it on the telly and whatever, yeah, then it, it could come back earlier. But yeah, I think it pretty much just depends on, you know, what the government are saying. And obviously we can't do anything while we're, we're all in lockdown, can we? No, of course, mate. And just a couple of things you, you sort of mentioned there, just to touch on a bit. So the you mentioned behind closed doors. Now, this is something that obviously Matty Costello mentioned earlier on. What What's your sort of thoughts on that? Is, some, is that something you'd be happy with? Or, you know, do you really feel that, you know, your game sort of, Goes to another level in the the sort of you know intense atmospheres and that sort of thing. Yeah, look, obviously nobody wants to play you know in an empty sta- stadium. Uh, you know that the reason we sort of play the game is you know for the buzz of the fans and the, the winning feeling and the scoring a try and, or a kick or whatever and you know the the fans are there with you. But you know we've been we've been five or six weeks now with, without any rugby and um, you know for, for lads who just want to play rugby and like obviously it's our job and. We just want to play, so you know if it meant if it meant that we had to to start back and and play in empty stadiums, but you know it give the fans something to watch on the telly. Um, you know, then like you say, I'd be all for it. Uh, it's not ideal, but you know we we've never seen anything like this before, and um, it's just about trying to trying to deal with it in in, in the safest way possible, but um, so that we can you know get back to to doing what we do course mate yeah and obviously like you said there it is sort of unprecedented times I suppose isn't it um, yeah that's it yeah. one thing we, we we did have last week was um, obviously a conversation with uh, Martin Midyard who I think you played with a bit did you at Lee yeah 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 played a few uh, games with, with Midy he, so he mentioned that the you know when when the game does come back that you know if for instance the government said on a Thursday that the game you know can, can start playing again then that weekend off, but then playing the the weekend after that. So essentially, what nine ten days? He thinks would be sufficient to sort of get players back ready to to play the game. What, what's your sort of thoughts on that? Do you think it'd be a bit longer, or what, what do you think? Um, well, you know, I'm no I'm no strength condition expert. I don't. I wouldn't know how how um, quick it takes the body uh, to get ready for that for that sort of impact. But you know, if if all the lads from every squad of have been doing what you know the the SNCs have been been telling them to do, and they've been they've, they've kept in shape, and um, you know we're we're all pretty much in decent nick. I don't I don't see it taking that long, but like you, you know who knows? People have all sorts of stuff going on, and you know the the, the mentality side of it is you know if they're not if they're not mentally right now at this moment in time because you know they're worrying about other things. You know training's not going to be. Um, you know, at the top of their list. So there's, there's there's loads of things that obviously that are happening um, and going on. But you know, like I say, if you know if everyone comes back um, in 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 decent enough shape, I don't I don't see why it, it maybe a week or two. Um, but you know, I I think what it might be is more like two to three. 
um, right. just to to give to give everyone a chance to sort of get back up to you know the the level that is required to to play a Super League game, uh, and in that that's in terms of like contact, especially because you know we we've had no type of that for for five weeks or whatever now, and and you know who knows how long long it's going to be from, from now on. So um, I think it'd be more like just a little bit longer just to to get everyone ready for for the impacts and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, do you follow the NRL much, Dan? Yeah, um, I have done in previous years. I'm, I'm not. Is it? I don't think it's on Sky, is it anymore? Or is it just selected yeah, games? Yeah, there's a, they have a couple of games. Yeah, every week. Because um, I remember when they were putting them all on, like last year or the year before, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And I was I was following it. Obviously, we'd have a game like a Thursday, Friday night, you know, and. And you're up on the the Thursday Friday Friday morning, and there's always a game on. Uh, but like probably the start, of, well, since they, they sort of took took them off, I'm not really. I watch it when I can, but um, yeah. I'm not not as as much as I used to. The the only reason I say that, mate, is obviously the they've um, sort of confirmed everything, so they're back up and running on the 28th of May. Um, and then the the grand final is now set for the twenty fifth of October. Uh, they're going for like a twenty round competition, um, and then the Origin series is going to be at the end of uh, of the, the you know that grand final. So you know Origin's going to run until sort of you know mid November. They're looking at now, obviously from a, an England point of view, the Ashes were sort of set to take place before the Origin series will finish. What what's your thoughts on that? Is that something that's going to have to be sort of put on the back burner? Is it or do you think we could possibly look at changing the dates on that to maybe play into December? Which just the season as a whole, or that just that Ashes series? Well, just particularly the the Ashes series. I mean, you know, we, you know fingers crossed, Super League do somehow manage to to get the competition done before the end of November, like the NRL are hoping to. Do you think it's it's feasible to play an Ashes series in December? Oh well, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd say. Listen, obviously, Australia um, they're in a completely different. Um, you know, predicament as us. Like they, they've had hardly any uh, deaths off the corona com- compared to us. Like I'm sure we've got like the second highest rate in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, first and foremost, we need to sort that out as a country. And then you know, like we say, if we can get if we can get the league back up and running, um, and you know, knock off say like the six loop fixtures, um, you know, and and this, that, and the other, and they can mess about with the, the league so that we, we we just play each other like sort of home and away, and then maybe shorten the playoff series um, and and things like that. Uh, I don't know the, the structures or what what they're thinking, but if they can sort of do something like that and and get us finishing, you know, around the same sort of time end of November, I don't see why you, you have your grand final and then sort of have a week off and then the the the, the Ashes series can start. Um, I don't know how long how long does Ashes usually go for? Is it about three weeks? Well, it's usually just where well, you, you have Saturday and then the, the two consecutive Saturdays, so it only really takes up fifteen days, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah. So you know, you, you're saying you're finishing by sort of mid, mid end of November. You know, you you're halfway through December, you're finishing on the fifteenth of December. Some will probably say it's probably too close to Christmas and all stuff like that, but you know. I, I think the way that this year's gone, um, you, you know, you've got a chance to represent your country. I don't, I don't see anyone, you know, turning it down or saying, saying, you know, it, it, it's too close or coming up with any excuses or whatever. Yet. Um, you know, that, that, that's just personally my opinion. Anyway, I, you know, 
I'm, I'm sure lads would jump at the chance to, to represent the country. So, yeah, you, you personally, you put your hand up then, yeah? Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, obviously, that, that's the goal in it to, to, to be an international player, and you know, I'd play regardless. So, yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah, um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, just a couple of things from there, then, really, Dan. So, you mentioned the playoffs now, that's not something that's really been sort of spoke about by many people in, in, in terms of a way of shortening the season. But just as you mentioned that, though, there's two weeks in the playoff series where there's only one game. Um, so even though, you know, you're currently looking at a top five to make up that playoff series, do, do you think it's a realistic option whereby they maybe do just go top four with sort of the, the format that we had before that, where one plays four, two plays three and straight into a final? That would yeah, reduce yeah. the, the, well, the that, series by That's weeks. obviously... That would reduce it by two weeks. Um, if you went top two, uh, sorry, top four. Um, but then if you just said, listen, knock out the, the loot fixtures. Uh, we're going to go top three because obviously, as as finishing top of the league, you know, I've been at Saints last two years, and like you're finishing top of the league, you win, you win the um, obviously the league leaders, but you 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 risk a chance at not getting to Old Trafford still, and um, I think that's well that's wrong really in a way you know you've been the best yeah. team all year or whatever so they could even say right top three um, first you're straight through to the grand final second place third whoever wins that then plays the week after in the grand final something something like that yeah definitely mate because then you like still you said, go on mate go on sorry. sorry no no you're fine no I was saying you've, you've still got you know whoever finishes first going straight through with that added bonus and then You've only got the one week then, where the second place yeah. third. Yeah, no, definitely, mate. And and like you said, though, I mean, the 2018 one particularly stands out, where you know Saints and Warrington essentially have the the same amount of chances of getting through to the final, and um, despite the fact that you know I think Saints were probably what ten points clear of Warrington at the end of the year that year, yeah. was it something like? That. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, no, you, you bang on what you're saying, mate. Um, so yeah, obviously you mentioned there, you know you. You've you've gone on to Castleford now from St Helens. What 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 you finding the the main differences are in terms of you know training and, and playing style and that sort of thing, Dan? Um, well, to be fair, mate, there's not there's not that much uh, dif- different um, from from the training perspective. Obviously, I said to Wales when I first went there, you know, the the facilities are obviously you know a little bit different. Saints have obviously just you know they've got a brand new stadium and and Cass is one of the the only um, sort of grounds from from. You know the old the old age of, of rugby that's still still standing. So you know that that that's obviously a difference. Um, but in terms of training wise and sort of playing wise, I feel like it suits me. Um, you know, I, I love going and I'm, I'm enjoying my time up there. Obviously, that's why it makes it even worse that you know this has come around now. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah. And and me and Josh mentioned um, last week on, on on the podcast that the. You, know, you look at the, the first six weeks of the, the season. There's probably no no one sort of in contention any more than yourselves, Dan. Um, people talk a lot about your combination with sort of Jay Truman and that sort of thing. But I think one thing that sort of stands out for me watching you this year is the the sort of right edge as a whole. So you've got obviously yourself, McMeek and uh, Metaltia and, and sort of Daryl Olfitz there on the wing. At Saints, you had sort of Peru, Morgan, Nagama, and, and Makinson. So you, what are the big differences there in terms of how you play as an edge when you've got, you know, like to make Mika new. I'm, I'm assuming you're hitting more towards the line as opposed to Peru, like to early ball quite a bit. What are the big differences in terms of your particular edge from the two teams? Yeah, obviously, like you said, mate, you know, they're, they're sort of, you know, the back rows are different types of players. Um, you know, the, the, 
I think Kev and Pete are probably quite similar. Um, and then Dee and, and, and Tommy are sort of different type of players. But, you know, I've we, we've had all pre-season. We've been lucky, really. Like me, me Peanut, um, Dee, and then Mikey coming back. Um, you know, we've, we've had a full pre-season to train as an edge. Uh, and obviously get used to how each other play. Because essentially, obviously, I was a new signing. Um, and Darrell Alfitz, he was a new signing. Um, you know, Peanut was in a, in, a, in a completely you know new position. He was playing fullback and, and half the year before. Um, so it was it was important for us that, that we got that time to sort of gel. And um, you know, I feel like we'd, we'd we'd scored quite a few points down the right hand side in, in games at the start of the season. And um, you know, I, I think that was obviously a sorry, a, a shot like a showcase of, you know, what we've been, how hard we've been training to, to get things right on that edge. Um, and, and like you say, I've, I've sort of adapted to, to, to the way they, the way they like the ball, you know, they might like it hard at the line or whatever. And, and, and I've had to adapt to that. And, you know, but I think it, I think it, it worked. 100%, mate. I think you said that you, you, know, you had to adapt. You've, you've done that seamlessly. And, and obviously you're firing again, you know, without doubt. I listened to something quite recently, and you mentioned that you felt like last year was a bit of a, a wasted year. You know, personally, you, you know, you didn't get a lot of game time and stuff like that. You know, at different periods throughout the year. Was it a big shock, you know, having to sort of go from last year where you were sort of waiting your opportunity, and now you've gone to Castleford and and you were sent to the main man straight away? Does that give you a lot of confidence? Is it or? Yeah. Uh, well, firstly, mate, you know. I, I think I remember say, saying that it was a sort of a waste of a year, but I meant that in terms of like, um, you know, like a rugby sense. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like personally, the, the way I grew from that year, um, you know, I probably I wouldn't have the attitude and, and and things that I've got now if I didn't if I didn't like go through that year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I, like I say, I always try and take the positives from it, but from a rugby person just from a, a rugby point of view, yeah, it, it probably was a, a waste of a year. But, you know, going to Cass, you know, before I went, uh, Parley, you know, he, he was saying, listen, you, I, I want you as my number seven. Um, You'll be playing week in, week out kind of thing. And uh, that just that just gave me the confidence to, to sort of, you know, go in with, like I was going in the year before at Saints, uh, you know, with, with, with that confidence kind of thing, um, just from the off. But it has probably took a bit, um, to to sort of get back to that, um, I don't I don't know whether I'm sort of back there yet myself. You know, people just you know they they see me on a on a pitch and think, oh, like you know you, you'll have your perceptions of of me. Uh, but the year, like obviously that last year I had at Saints, like the knock I, it took, you know, to my confidence. Like you, you know you won't believe it, and I just think like if I can get back to sort of the confidence that I had the year before at Cass, then, you know, that, 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 that's obviously what, what I want to do. And you'll, 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 you'll see that because obviously I'll be, I'll be probably playing better. So. You know, 100%. I mean, from my personal point of view, you know, obviously I'm a big Sailings fan myself, but um, I actually thought that when you played last year, you, you know, you were as good as you were in 2018. The, I remember one game, I think it was the quarter final against Wakefield. Um, and you had, you know, an absolute stormer. Um, I think we played Hull and, Catalan consecutive weeks on you know Sunday afternoon games I think they were or one was a, an Easter Monday game. Whenever you played, I thought you you know you were great and, and obviously from a, a personal point of view you know and, and Josh is the same as well. We were gutted to sort of see you leave, but 
Um, I think a lot of a lot of Saints fans do share that emotion as well, mate. But you know, you know, again, it's good to see how how, how well you've sort of you know dealt with that, and your game's not been affected by you know what what, what you sort of refer to there as a, a wasted development year. So, you know, from from an England point of view, especially, you know, it's really good to see the way you're playing at the minute, and fingers crossed you can you can keep it up, Dan. Yeah, nice one, mate. Appreciate that. No worries, mate. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on as well, Josh. Do you have any questions or anything, mate? No, just just a quick one, Dan. There, obviously, yeah. I've seen the recent skills on your Instagram where you you're hitting the crossbar. <laughs> Will there be any more to come? Um, come talking about the some skills. Uh, to be fair, mate, I'm not sure. You know, it was sort of a bit of a like me, me and Ollie Holmes. Uh, he, he, Ollie Holmes, yeah. yeah. He, 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 he don't, I can't remember what he done. He done like a trick shot and and uh, he tagged me and Greg in it. So far, right? Well, like it's sort of on a bit now. You know what I mean? Like we'll see, we'll see what we <laughs> yeah. can, we, we, what we can do and stuff. Um, but no, like it seems to have calmed down a bit now. Um, but if it if it picks up again, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> last some more videos on. Happy days, <laughs> happy days. And just obviously, the year you kicked the winning goal against Warrington was like when when we took the two, we was all confident in the West that you you would kick it. But obviously, there's always that doubt that because it was that far out, would it eventually go over? What was your feeling? As you was putting the kicking tee down and putting the ball on top of the kicking tee. Yeah, like you know, like I said before, mate. You know that that year, you know, my confidence it couldn't have been any higher. Um, you know, I was sort of living on cloud nine. I was playing every week, and you know, we were killing it as a, as a team. And you know, I, like I, I never like when I'm kicking and things like that. I never, I never think that I'm going to miss. Um, <laughs> so I, rem- I remember, like uh, I think it was Tommy Matt because Tommy's got a, like a massive boot on him coming over saying, like, "Drop me to hit it." And I was going, I went, nah, mate. I, I said, nah, I'm all right. Uh, kind of thing. Like, just straight away, you know, I, I just sort of knew. Like, as soon as he gave that penalty, I thought, come on, we'll go for the two of you. Because I just sort of, I was that confident. I just didn't ever think it was going to miss. Uh, I don't I don't know why, why I sort of, why, I, why I've got that sort of mentality or whatever. But I just, that was the way I was feeling, mate, at the time. I just, I didn't expect it to miss. That That's a... Good attitude to have that, isn't it? Believe, believe in what what you've you've got, basically. And obviously, like Dan touched on you and Jake Truman. I, I'm a massive fan of Truman, and then obviously when we played Cass a few, well, about six weeks back, and they they ripped us apart. That was because of you and Truman. I turned around and come off that. The first instinct I had in my head was that could be the the halfback pairing taking us to a World Cup. Would what would that mean with you and Jake? Obviously. Going to a World Cup, playing at club level, plus as a World Cup, it could it could be massive. Yeah, you know, a lot like yourselves and a lot of other people have have mentioned it. Um, and you know, I love playing with Tree. Like uh, since the day I went there, we we you know we're similar age. We, we you know we we click straight away. You know, we're good mates, and um, you know, I love I love running running out on the field with him. Um, you know, a lot as well as all the other boys. But I just like I, I buzz off it. Um, and you know, if we could, if we could play for Cass and and then go and play for England as well together, like you know, I'd, I'd be buzzing, mate. It'd, it'd be class. Um, you know, we we both sort of like you say, we we're young and we're confident lads, and you know, like I say, if we can if we can play for for the country as well as as Cass and and, and rip it up and, and win World Cups for England, then everyone's happy, aren't they? Yeah, everyone would be happy there. Just, yeah. just one final everyone thing for me, Dan. Um, obviously, your 2018 year that like you touched on earlier on, um, you played you know, with Ben Barber. What was that like? What, what's he like as a player to play with? Yeah, he's class. Obviously, I'll, I'll, I've said to anyone, um, 
you know, for me personally, he's probably the best player I've played with, um, and and the best player I've seen. Like obviously, in in the flesh and whatever. Uh, and you know, for me to play that that full year with him, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll never forget that year. And you know, we we shared some good times together on the field and and off it. And um, you know, obviously, sad to see that he, you know, because he could have gone on again and, and been the best player yeah. in the world in my opinion um, yeah. you know but barring a couple of things so yeah no but mate, obviously playing that full year with him was a was a um, was a pleasure and for me yeah best best player I've played with so great stuff mate yeah no well look after yourself Dan and obviously um, you know stay safe and get back to playing you know some good rugby sooner rather than later hopefully Dan yeah cheers mate nice one for having no, me boys uh, so that was Danny Richardson there. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll agree. You know, he's um, attitude spot on at the minute. He's he's really working towards that England England spot. And you know, like Josh has mentioned, his his partnership with with Jake Truman's you know, coming on leaps and bounds, isn't it, mate? It is, Dan, and it's hopefully they can continue to do it after the lockdown. If we ever come out of lockdown, and hopefully they can push on and lead the country to the World Cup potentially, because the the more They've got the skill and ball for the games, and they just they can control it with other players around them. Definitely, mate. You mentioned his dad there. Now, for, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Dan's dad, Gary Richardson, um, great player himself. He played a bit of semi-professional at Doncaster and, and, and stuff like that. Um, actually, played with uh, Dan's dad for a couple of years at Holton Farmworth, and you know what a bloke he was. Um, couple of stories just to, to tell you about his dad. We. Um, one year we pretty much went. I think it was like the whole year unbeaten or something like that. I think it was in um, Division One at the time. I think we got to beat one game actually. I think it was quite early on. Um, but towards the end of the year, obviously we're going for the title and whatever. Um, there was ourselves and Bold, and we played against Bold on a, a Friday night, and I think we, we won by about sort of ten, twelve points or whatever it was. And um, you know, I, I scored towards the end of the game and I did a bit of a exuberant celebration, shall we say, but. I didn't do what he, he said I did. So what he turned around and, and my girlfriend at the time um, was watching and, and, and obviously as I'm like jumping around celebrating like a lunatic, he basically, you know, thought that I blew a kiss to, to my girlfriend who was on the sideline at the time, which didn't happen. Now, obviously, he didn't mention this at the time. You know, Gaz has got perfect timing. So what he did was, I think it was like the Thursday at training or something like that. And obviously, it all died down and, and whatever by this point. And it was like the Thursday, so it's a good six, seven days later. And um, he turns around to all lads and he says, hey, and what about Dan? You know, when he when he scored on, on, on Friday, jumping around and then blew a kiss to his missus. And obviously all the lads at that point are in, are in ruptures and, and it sort of stuck with it. Now, obviously, as much as I can defend myself and say it didn't happen, if Gaz said something's happened, it's happened. So, so everyone for the you know the, the rest of the time I was there just had this belief that a blue kiss is to a girlfriend up the, on the sideline in, in an amateur game or up there. <laughs> Another I, one. I, on. I can imagine that, Dan. I, I can imagine you blowing the kisses and then giving the love heart <laughs> shape with your hands as well. <laughs> the other one was um, we used to go on a, an end of season trip to Isle of Man. Every year we'd do this, and you know it was it was a great weekend. Um, but, but for some reason, Kaz had this obsession with with car tipping, <laughs> right? so he constantly try and tip cars over. 
obviously cars are heavy, so it was generally unsuccessful. But he, he was trying on this this van that was parked up on on this main road, and obviously he was having no success at all. And then his eyes lit up, and he said, "This is the perfect car tip." I said, "What are you want about?" He said, "A Clio, obviously the small cars." And he thought he could give it a go, so he's you know, he's trying to tip this car. Next minute, some fella gets out from the passenger side car. See what are you doing? <laughs> So he's trying to kick the car this morning, Dom. Yeah, the fellas in the car didn't realise. Um, Class. But no, what Class. a guy, you know. He's, to, to be fair, there was um, a thing that's gone on Facebook recently with um, sort of, you know, players that you've played with, best player, best forward and back and whatever. Um, and one of them was just, you know, the best person to play with. And, and you know, quite easily it was it was Guy Richardson. He's a, you know, a fantastic bloke and a, a great player as well. Um, again, really tough. He could play scrum half and hooker, and you know, really tough, really good player. Um, but yeah, just a you know a great person to play alongside. I'd, I'd say more than anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously that was was Danny, and, and obviously Danny, you know, very similar to his dad in terms of you know his attitude to the game and whatever. Yeah, loves the game, and um, you know, fingers crossed he can push on a bit. We've now got an interview with Liam Watts, uh, which you led up, Josh, and, and obviously, do you want to take us into that, mate? Yeah, yeah, so welcome Liam Watts and this next interview is about basically about his career and how he's keeping fit during the lockdown. Good afternoon, we've got a Castleford star Liam Watts with us this afternoon and we're just going to ask Liam a few questions about his career and how we think the game's going to restart. Just to start off, Liam, obviously you've played for both Hull clubs. What was the what's the difference between Hull Car and Hull FC, if there is any? Um, there were quite a big difference, to be fair. Um, when when I first signed for Hull Car, they'd they'd won promotion into Super League, and uh, and then they regained regained Super League status by staying up. And I signed the following season after, so they've they've come from a from a Championship side into. Coming into Super League and, and and proving that they could that they could survive the drop. Obviously, it was back, back then it was relegation, and uh, I think the year after uh, that year that I got there, that's when the the licenses where they they stopped relegating, and so then it become into the um, into the playoffs and stuff, and um, you had you had your three years grace as as, as what it was um, back then. So you had. He had Super League status for three years, and then they had to go on to the licensing thing, where you had to the clubs were were put into brackets of of, of where they stood in the league, and um, if you didn't meet the criteria of that, or the, the teams were the worst of criteria, and that when it come to be redone, it was the the league changed. Do you know what I mean? Teams come in and teams um, teams dropped out. So when I first signed, yeah, when I first signed that. Um, were a bit nervous at start because they, they'd got in Super League and then um, they'd signed a lot. They'd signed a load of players. I think we'd signed fourteen players that year, and then the licensing scheme come in. And um, we, we, I can remember being there in pre-season uh, training, and we didn't know whether we were going to get a license you now for Super League. There were a lot of good teams in there. They'd, so we we were all sat there, we were all stood around the television watching, and um, like I said, luckily we got the three years um, licensing uh, agreement, so it meant we were in Super League for three years regardless. Um, we had we had a good side. Um, it, it it was really early days in my career then, so it was 
more or less just just finding a pathway into becoming a full time athlete and uh, becoming a a full time rugby league player. Yeah, you've you've touched up there and at Hull Car. What what was the move to Hull like? Obviously, moving from Hull Car to Hull, it it must be massive because they're in the same city, aren't they? Yeah, um, like I said, Hull so, um, FC. However long I'd be, were watching them, um, they were always a, a big force. Uh, won the Challenge Cup in 2005. I can remember being down at Cardiff, um, playing for the Cardiff um, in the Power Gen Schools final down there. So we were down there for the weekend. And To be fair, LFC, other than Castleford, were, were my second team. Um, as a kid growing up watching Castleford, um, they want the best side. And I always, I always like watching the FC. They, they were a, they were a big club, and like I said, watching the uh, the Challenge Cup final in two thousand five at Cardiff, it was it were brilliant. And I, and I was definitely an FC supporter for that day. Um, it was something that I enjoyed watching. So watching the FC, and then they got to the grand final of the year after in two thousand and six. So they've always been in around. Um, Obviously, it, playing playing for trophies. So when the opportunity come to sign at FC and speaking to their own Adam Pearson uh, on the verge of me leaving Ulkear, it was the thought process behind it was to win trophies, <clears throat> and that's what their aspirations were. Uh, after speaking to Peter Gentle and, and Adam Pearson, they were um, all they talked about were winning some. Um, they've the, the gone dry for a couple. I know they'd made the Challenge Cup in two thousand and eight, um, so it would just more or less getting back to winning silverware and that one of the main reasons why I signed. And obviously they they met that target and they winning back to back challenge cups. What what was that feeling like? Well to be fair, I, I ended up signing for um for L F C in into halfway through two thousand and twelve. Uh, the year after we we ended up making the Challenge Cup final um in two thousand and thirteen. We um we got beat by Wigan. I think it was sixteen nil. Um, we were first side to ever get to get nilled. I think in a in a Challenge Cup final, the, the conditions were terrible. We uh, we had a we had hell of a busted team. We had blokes playing with um, bad bad injuries, shoulders, knees. Um, I can remember Ben Crooks. He'd um, he'd done something bad to his shoulder. He should have been out on the sidelines for twelve weeks. He missed two weeks and come back and. They absolutely peppered his side with eye bombs. They knew he won't right, and, he, and the poor kid just couldn't catch a couldn't catch a ball. Couldn't put his arms above his head, and we lost Tom Lynham um, the week before. He was he was playing absolutely fantastic at the time, scoring tries, and he just what meant to be. And then um, Peter Gentle he, he he left, and Radders took over, and the re the rebuilding phase from then um, started to. Started to pick up. We had a shocking year in 2014. We had a, a, a really young side, um, and then for 2015, we signed some good players. We'd signed Mark Snead, Leon Price, Mark Minicello. Um, we, we'd signed some really, really good players. So that was the start of the uh, of the building phase towards what what happened in 2016 and 17, and then 2016 we brought some absolutely fantastic players in. Um, we had. My Fenua, um, C. Kamano, Frank Pritchard, and the team itself were already in the likes of me, Danny Outen, Scott Taylor. Um, we, we had a fa- an absolute fantastic team, and it just 
things just started start to click into place going into that 2016 season. We had, we had a good pre-season. Um, obviously, the, the talk around everything, well, well, now's the time that we, we start playing to us potential and start winning some some silverware. Yeah, obviously you touched up there that the, you started to get a team together. and Obviously, at the start of the season, everyone was looking at Hull and thinking, this could be the year they actually go on and do it. But also yourselves, Castleford, in my eyes, apart from Wigan, these are the only club who could actually win the grand final this year. What will it mean to obviously get there with Cass and win the grand final? We've just got to, obviously, the, the, before this happened, we, we, I think we had one bad game in out of seven and, and that went against Catalan. We had a short turnaround, we had a lot of travel. Um, Catalan had missed the, the game the week before. I got called off against Wakefield for bad weather and obviously they were they were chomping at the bit. Um, so that, that was only really the bad game that we had. So, so we, we're in a good position, obviously, depending on what happens now with fixtures and stuff. But we're, uh, we're up there, we're competing. We, we'd put a season best performance in against St. Helens, um, obviously, before lockdown. And everything would just, we're starting to just click into place, like I said, we, um, with, with what we've been working towards. Obviously, you touched on there when you. Obviously, I went the game where Cass absolutely ripped us to bits, and that we've touched on. We've that we've had Daddy on the podcast as well today, and Daddy and Drake Truman are building something good, and then you, obviously you've got yourself, and then you've got Paul Matshane. You've you, you've got quality all around the squad at Cass, but who for Cass to go that extra step. What what do you think it'll take for them to do? We um we haven't got world class players. Do you know what I mean? We we haven't got a team. The team at LFC when I were there, there were a team full of world class players. Um, across the park from wing to wing, there were there were players that had that had, had exceptional careers and and still are having exceptional careers. So at that moment, the players themselves they didn't really take much coaching. Um. That everything were just there were just world class players you see and that and everybody just knew what it what it took to win. Um, but whereas at Cast we've like I said there's a few standout players, but it's we we know what other people can bring to the team that probably as fans and and as supporters don't see that that go on behind the scenes and we're, we're only a small we're only a small team um, staff wise uh, off the field staff wise and, and and players on the field we we're, we're such a small squad and so we we, we know what it's what, what we need from other people around us to to achieve what we need to do um but like i said we've we started to get into a groove and and you talk about Danny rich coming in and, and jake truman the, the two young kids that have when you play other clubs they'd be playing underneath a, a good seven that had been established for a good five, six years. Um, whereas Tui never got the guidance from Gailey, obviously, without injured and stuff. And Danny Ritchie, he played a big part for two years playing playing in the halves at St. Helens. And, but I, I don't think he's, since he's come to cast, they, they, there's none of them mentors. So they've got a lot of pressure on the shoulders. And uh, Paul is working very close, uh, closely with them as, as well as uh, Ryan Sheridan and Danny also. 
Uh, they've got hell of a lot to work, a lot of work to do. But the good thing on their side, they've got plenty of time. They're, they're young. I think Danny's only twenty four. Chu is twenty one. So we, we, we've got a good a good foundation in um, around the around the arse, which is uh, which is always pleasing to see. Uh, you talk about Maka there. Maka's um, Maka's coming to his own again this year. He um, he probably won't where he needed to be last year. He'll even tell you that himself. And um, we just ran out of steam last year. Um, we're playing a lot of big minutes. And, but I think Maka looks like a different force again this year. He's, he's trained the house down in pre-season. He's he's, he's really at the uh, the floor running. And he's um, like I said, he, he, it's been it's been rewarded with him getting picked in the England squad. And obviously, you've hit the the pre-season, which is probably every rugby player hits, shall we say, because you get through, put through your paces. How do you think the season will restart? Do you think we'll need a mini pre-season or do you think we could just get straight yeah, back into games? Obviously, as fans watching the game, and um, they'll, they'll want to see it resume as quick as possible. Actual clubs themselves will do, so they can start getting some revenue and, and, and start getting fans through the doors and but as as far as as, as players as we're concerned, is we, we we've had quite a big layoff. We've had we've had a good six. It will be a good six seven week layoff. And whilst we are doing bits around uh, doing trainings, doing running, it's it's the actual impact side of it. Um, as you know, it's 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 an eye collision game, and it's it's like any you can't just just go straight back into that. That takes weeks and weeks and weeks to build up a tolerance of, of impacts. Do you know what I mean? You're getting it by 17, 18 stone blokes, um, probably 30, 40 times out of game. Um, obviously, contacts and carrying the ball. It's So it's a lot to get ready for. And I know I know myself when I've had a, had a, had a uh, off-season break and then come back to doing pre-season, they never, they never built. Then we never go straight into contact. It's always built up over a period, so it gets more and more intense, building up to when you're playing. So, in a pre-season, last oh, up to sixteen weeks. Uh, in in some teams' cases, depending on when they're finishing the playoffs. So, it'd be interesting to see what see what the clubs have um, clubs have got to work with once this lockdown's been lifted, and uh, and when the RFL need to start start the games back up. And obviously. Three games a week has been mentioned, which in my eyes is just it, you, can, you can't you can't play three games a week because of how hard the sport is. It's took Super League so long to get rid of the, the two Easter yeah. Easter fixtures. As a player, would you obviously play three three times a week? That that's obviously an all goal. It's just a bigger picture in all this. Obviously, they they want to um, they want to get the, the the midweek games in to catch up on fixtures and uh, and all this sort of stuff and and talking about catching up on fixtures. But I I just think the actual standard of rugby league will will start to drop. Um, it'll not be as intense. Uh, and and if we're definitely not playing with crowds uh, for the first however long. Um, I reckon there'll be a drop of intensity within games anyway, just with no crowds there. Um, be like playing in a in, in a reserve game or an academy game, and and sometimes when you when you're running out onto the onto the pitch and there's no fans, it's it, it's something that we've never had to uh, witness before. It's well, over over them playing for the academy and stuff before first team games, but it, it's going to be a weird concept playing uh, behind closed doors if we have to win. And if you're shoving an extra game in there for intensity, I, I just don't know what they're going to get from it by shoving an extra game in there. Um, if this fan's not going anyway, so 
for what a proposal we got sent a, um, a thing from the RFL which was just a questionnaire to fill in what we thought would be best for the moving forward and, and, and getting the games on as quick as possible and I just think if they take the loop, loop fixtures out and, and playing some teams three times and obviously they've got the magic weekend in there and just reckon if you just play each other at home and away the games that we've missed will probably equate to the loop fixtures anyway what we, what what were, um, had been scheduled to be played so I reckon you just take them out play home and away and if it looks like it's going into November as as, as much as what the talk is going to be then um just probably a straight fall shootout again, um, a semi-final and final, um, rather than getting the extra chances and that in the playoffs. I just think it's a little bit, it drags on. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be a four-week process that where, where it could be just cut down to two. Yeah, I totally agree with you myself, Liam. Obviously, the loot fixtures in my eyes, the, the pointless games, they just... the season just drags on, like you say. And obviously, you've got the Challenge Cup in there as well. Would... As a player, what would it mean if the Challenge Cup was cancelled for this year? Would that be massive? Well, my, my thoughts on the Challenge Cup is if they want to play the Challenge Cup, put the Challenge Cup midweek and then, obviously, rather than having it on a weekend uh, and then other teams aren't playing, is you can still fulfil your fixtures. But then if you're playing midweek, then that's your chance to miss the games if you have, do you know what I mean? Or if you're still progressing. Uh, and then I just spoke about if um, Old Trafford um, doing probably change the Challenge Cup to Old Trafford on the 12th of uh, October or whenever the uh, Grand Final's scheduled in to be played and probably play it there and, and, and move the Grand Final elsewhere. And just last one for me, Lee, before I add you over to Dad. Who, is, who would you say the hardest opponents you have played against? Um, there's been a couple, mate. Um, obviously, I, I played with Gaz Ellis, uh, never, never played against him, but, well, to be fair, I have played against him when I, when I left LFC, but... Not while he was in his prime, he, he, he was um, he was an absolute machine to play alongside, an absolute beast. Um, Adrian Mall, he was for me growing up uh, my pinnacle uh, of a player that I wanted to be. Obviously, different player to what he is now. I've, I've been come through the ranks and and played. Um, he was just an absolute enforcer. Uh, Benny Westwood, he, he, he was another. He was a tough character. Um, Absolutely hard as nails. Jamie Peacock, you always you know what you're going to get with him, and they were the players that I looked up to when I um, when I was coming through uh, the academies and through amateur, and um, always wanted to be aspire to be like. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that, and I'll add you over to Dad now. Yeah, good. Thanks. I leave you okay, mate. Yeah, good. Um, just wanted to ask you a couple of questions, sort of like internationally, really. Um, so. Obviously, last year you played the England Nines tournament, um, but I think I'm right in thinking you missed out on the yeah. Great Britain squad, didn't you? How did that sit with you? I mean, your form last year was really, you, you know, you tipped to be a man of steel for a large part. Yeah. Of what was your opinion, opinion yeah, on missing out on selection? To be that? fair, mate, I'd, I'd be a liar if I say I wasn't good for missing out. Um, it was a bit of a weird one. Uh, like I said, I got a phone call saying that I'd been picked in the GB squad, uh, everything was looking well. I, I was talking to Paul Ander, Paul Anderson and Paul Sculthorpe that were in around the around the training at the time. They were saying if you keep doing what you're doing, um, you've got a good chance of playing. So the form at club level were pretty decent. Um, so I, I fought with him with a chance. And then Sean Lachlan went down, Sam Burgess dropped out. And I'm thinking, 
surely I'm going to have to get a chance here. And anyway, so we're training yeah. for GB um, before we before we flew because we got knocked out in the playoffs. So I had a week off and started training for GB. And they just want they want, they want about eight and nine. It was just training and waiting for other players to to finish in the playoffs and stuff. Anyway, we ended up getting got got a phone call about the uh, the England nine saying. You, you definitely picked in the England Nines to go there, so pack your suitcase. Uh, the GB squad's not been announced yet, so just pack as much stuff as what you need to. You need to if, in case you're going to be there for six weeks. So packed all my bag and stuff, and didn't really. I won't. I won't really feel the confidence right. on exactly what was happening. Um, so anyway, flew out to flew out to Australia. We're there a couple of days. We, I think we flew out on the Saturday as the grand final. We played, and then the squad were getting picked on the on the Monday. Um, anyway, the, the squad for the GB got picked on the Monday, and we, we were sat in a, we were sat in a meeting, like ready to go train before we were training. And um, obviously, the squad had been announced, and yeah, I, I was just like, why, why, why am I here? Do you know what I mean? I, I, I've flown all the way here just just for a week. Uh, surely they could have brought a couple of other players that had been playing um, <clears throat> that that were going to play for GB. They could have just played in the in the uh, in the England nines, to be fair, but it was a good opportunity to get out there and, and pull an England jersey on, which well, which I'll, I'll be forever grateful for. And I just think I had a bit more aspirations. I thought I was going to play for GB. Um, like I said, I, I didn't end up getting picked, so a little bit good, but I ended up going on holiday to to Bali and and, and having having a bit of downtime, which is uh, is probably what I needed. Got married and stuff, so it was um, it ended up working out okay and. I just come back this year a little bit hungrier. Um, the, 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 well, if that goes ahead, there's a there's a free test um, free test series against Australia if if everything goes to plan and just hope that, it, it, that I'm in and around that team and um, can give a good showing of what what I can do. Hundred percent, man. So just to, to touch on there briefly, you mentioned you was in a meeting when you found out. Who was it who actually delivered the message? Did you just sort of find out when the yeah. squad's announced, or do you get a phone yeah, call? Yeah, well, I had, I, had a, I had a few chats with Jamie Peacock saying what, what's going off. I've not really been, I don't really know what's happening. Yeah. I, I, am I playing? Am I not? And they were like, I don't think anybody really knows exactly what the full squad's going to be until Wayne announces it. So obviously, everybody must have been waiting on him to announce it. So nobody, it, it, nobody yeah. else really wanted to say what was going off. Um, we, we didn't get to meet Wayne Bennett until we until we got there on the um, on the Monday. We we got there on the Sunday night uh, in Australia. We didn't meet him while the Monday, and that's when the when the squad were getting announced. And he he just said in the meeting, "Does everybody know what's happening?" And there were a couple of people like were Blake Austin and, and myself, and we were looking at each other like <laughs> we don't, we don't know what's happening. And then. We're, no. <laughs> we went to train and then we come back from training and, and the squads had already been put out on Sky Sports and that's when I found out and uh, I think yeah then I, I think Joel Philbin had um, he'd been drafted in from the England Knights to fly and I'm like I'm already here do you know what I mean I'm I'm already in Australia and yeah, they end up having yeah. to pay flights for him to fly across I thought if if oh we should have just flown him out in front of me to play in the England Knights and probably it was a bit of common sense but. He, um, I mean, having a few chats with Wayne Bennett, he just wanted to get to know me as a person and and just see what I was about for the week that I was there, and um, obviously made a good impression on him. And obviously now he's <laughs> he's gone, and, and Sean Wayne's in charge. So um, I had a, had a chat with Sean 
um, last Friday and just uh, of what he expects of an England player and an international player and and what he expects moving forward and uh, just a few guidelines and 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 what we can put into our game to becoming a an, an international player. Hundred percent, and and like you mentioned there, you know Sean Wayne, you know I'm a passionate Saints fan, but um, one thing I'm happy about for England is that you know you've got someone as passionate about rugby league as, as Sean Wayne, yeah, definitely. certainly about English rugby league. Um, to have Sean Wayne in charge is you know is, is really important. That whole tour, I mean, you mentioned a few things there, but that whole tour for me was a bit farcical. The I remember at one point they flew Ash Hanley out. I can't remember who got injured. I think it was yeah. one of the wingers got injured, and they flew Ash Hanley out. Um, and he, he never ended yeah. up playing or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Just to touch on on your personal life as well a little bit, Liam, so you recently got involved in property Yeah, I, yeah I've, uh, I've just set up a, um, a company, well, I, I, I'm a license a license holder of um, Easy Property Castleford, so there's a, Easy Property is a brand, um, same as Easy Jets, um, it's a sister company to that, and um, yeah. I, I got approached by um, a bloke that's um, he's an avid cast fan. He's, he's called Kelvin Brook, and he's been in a state agency all his uh, all his life. And he, he approached me, and he um, he was going around all the different Super League clubs to try and get players involved in this um, in this license um, license agency selling properties. And I, I just obviously I, I'm, I'm coming to an age now and I'm, I'm coming up to 30 this year and I'm just thinking about after rugby I've got I've got a contract for the, for the next three three years after this and just starting to put little things into place and I got sat talking to Kelvin and it sounded really good and I, to be fair it wasn't something that I was thinking about doing straight away um, it was something that I was going to try and learn and, and, and finish for after rugby but um, speaking to Kelvin and he's going to be my mentor in in, in obviously selling properties and I've set all the company up in my name and we just pay a license fee for the area to sell houses in Castleford and um, obviously I'm 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 cast born and bred and I think it's just a good opportunity just to start building it nicely for when I do finish rugby rather than finishing rugby then jumping into this full time and, and, and probably panicking and but at the moment I'm just picking it up nice and steady this uh, this bit of time off giving me a, a good opportunity to just get to know the business a little bit, uh, other than just doing rugby all the time, and it's it's given bit it's given me something else to do and just to think about uh, moving forward. Definitely, mate. I mean, we had um, Stuart Fielder on last week, um, and as I'm sure you're probably aware of his story, um, 2013 his career got shot by you know a couple of years than what he was expecting at least, and. You know, you're doing the right thing there in terms of planning for you know if anything does go wrong, but you know not just that it's good to have things in place. For yeah, I, I, I was scratching my head to be fair. I, I I didn't know what I wanted. What there were no really that jumped out me what I really wanted to do. Uh, obviously, all I've ever known is playing rugby, and uh, a, a few different opportunities have um, have arisen. Um, I'm I'm currently in doing a bit of promoting stuff and that for uh, Bennett's Butchers. Um, so um, I'm on board with him and 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 just putting me just putting the feelers out to different. You'd be surprised how many actual sponsors and um, and people that actually support the clubs that are that are out there that that, that want us to be involved with them. I know Nathan Massey's um, easing with a couple of um, property developing companies and easing with uh, with other stuff. There's um, a company called uh, Glass Vacades. They're the main sponsor of the club, and I think they've I think he's set about fifteen of the young kids on. Do you know what I mean? So they're all working for him. So they are they're looking for players to Brilliant. get involved and. We are we are idols to some people, and 
well, ever they are, a sponsor of the club, us working for them or working closely with them, it, it, they enjoy it. They, they take a little bit from it. So it was just for me, just just putting the feelers out and getting yeah. involved with, with, with other people other than rugby and, and something that was a little bit different. Obviously, rugby's my main, my main job, my main priority. And but end of the day, rugby's not there for life and. Uh, it's a shame that it's not, but as, as a rugby league player, you you never know when your career is going to get cut short, or you never know what's around the corner. I, I've seen young kids at 16, 17 year old that have been promised the world, and within two years that they, they just fall off the bandwagon. I've been lucky to fulfil what I've wanted to do, and yeah. I've had a great career, and 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 still are, still are having a great career, and it's it's just putting things into perspective and looking at the bigger picture. Definitely, mate. Well, listen, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And, and obviously, when things do get back to normal, good luck for the rest of the year. And, and Cheers, can... guys. And that was Liam Watts' interview. And what a tough competitor going through his time at OKR Hull and now Castleford. And how he was a Castleford fan of Castleford, born and bred. And obviously, very interesting situation he's been in. It was good, Dan. Very good to have Liam on as well today. Definitely, mate. And you know, a couple of things I wasn't aware of there is is obviously I didn't realise he was actually a cast lad, to be honest. Um, but secondly, the the you know the way that the Great Britain tour sort of unfolded last year, there was a lot of fallout over here about it. And you know, by the sounds of it, the people who was actually on the tour were, were sort of ill informed about it as well, which sort of sums it up a bit, really, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, it does, mate. And. I think, obviously, it was all. I was certainly surprised because the season Liam Watts had, he was he was up there with like a Man of Steel contender and possibly the best prop in Super League, behind Alex Warren and Luke Thompson. And I just I was very surprised when he when he went to the Nines and then obviously the team come out and you're like, where's Liam Watts? What what what's people got to do to get in this team? And then obviously. Joe Fielding flies over and Watts is already over there. You think, oh, what, what's going on here? And it was just a complete write-off for me that that's all last year, Dan. And hopefully they can they can get it right going forward. I think I think things seem a lot different this year, don't they? With you know with Sean Wayne at the helm and stuff like that, I think there's a lot more positivity about you know the international game again from an England perspective than there was under Bennett. Well, Sean Wayne. It's, I've I've always been against that another nationality shouldn't lead your country. You wouldn't see an Englishman lead Australia. You wouldn't yeah. see an Englishman lead New Zealand. So why why do we do? We we've certainly got good enough country coaches in this country. You've got Daryl Powell at Castleford. You've got your Lee Radford. You've got your Sean Wayne's. And it took how many years for them to get Sean Wayne? Appointed, and it's gonna be. It's, I'm, I'm, Dan, I can't tell you how much looking forward I am to seeing Sean Wayne's England take on the rest of the world. No, definitely, it's great, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, anything else you want to sort of go over this week, Josh? Anything that's that's burning your mind? Just not nothing on top of my head, Dan. But just all people are, are enjoying what we're doing, and we're not boring them too much. And <laughs> if if they want anything we need to discuss like a new topic then let us know and we will be looking at some fans coming on in a few weeks to see how they think the game will restart and talk about their club a bit 
So if you if you are interested, just drop us a message on the Twitter page, or obviously leave it on the review if you're interested to come on. Definitely, mate. And um, you know we are lucky we've got listeners over in in Australia, USA, Uruguay. We had a listener the other day, mate. No idea. What's in Uruguay. All, all over the world. I mean, <laughs> me and you in India and into the NRL ourselves. Obviously, I went myself in. Yeah. 2018 to watch an NRL Grand Final, so that just shows how much I actually am into the NRL and I love the state of origin. I actually probably watch more NRL than I do Super League, to be fair. Yeah, so yeah. If, if any Aussies are interested, please get in contact. We can, we, me and Dan will stay up till three o'clock in the morning doing this podcast <laughs> if it means you's coming on. You will, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, definitely, I mean, like you said, there we've got Adrian Valls coming on in a couple of weeks, it'd be great to get, um, a few more Australians in. Um, obviously, we've got David Fafita as well, who's an Australian, so uh, we'll be racking his brain about all things Australia as well. So, you know, stay in contact if you're, you know, especially if you are over in Australia, give us a shout and we'll see if we can uh, we can get you on. Um, but yeah, you know, just for me and Josh, you know, just to emphasise what Josh said there, it's, you know, it'd be great if you could, you know, subscribe through the podcast provider, um, hit the like button or five-star review, whatever it is. Uh, we're on, Podbean, I think we're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, iTunes. So uh, hopefully, you know, we are a new podcast provider. If not, give us a shout. And we can see if we can get somehow get get on there. I'm not, I'm not sure how it'd work. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll tune in again next week when we'll have, like I said, we'll have David Fafita and Michael Lawrence, and in a few weeks when we've got the Toronto fans on. Um, but for me, again, thanks for listening, and, and have a nice weekend. Yeah, thanks for listening, and. Stay safe. Yep. Cheers.